You're listening to the Beach Haven Podcast. Today's message is our eighth in our series, Jesus on Every Page. With no further ado, our lead pastor, Rob Timms. Congregation, if you'll uh, turn in your Bible or your, your app to Jonah, the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, as we continue our series called Jesus on Every Page. It has been our, uh, our goal to look at some of the core Old Testament passages in the left-hand side of your Bible and demonstrate how the, Jesus has been the plan the entire time. So Genesis and Exodus and, and many others as we've looked, uh, we're looking for Jesus on every page, and he's been there, and he's going to be there today um, in the story of Jonah. Um, and the passage that Camille just read from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, very much reflects the heart of God, as you'll see here in the story of Jonah. I want to put a quote on the screen for you this morning that Holly and I came across 20 years ago, and it has forever wrecked us. Expectations are premeditated resentments. I want you to let that soak in just for a moment. Expectations are premeditated resentments. This is a truism that you can apply to any number of life's categories, including your relationship with God. Expectations that we place on God are often little more than premeditated resentments that we will later have toward God because he failed to meet those expectations. If you have expectations about God that do not line up with his promises, do not line up his word, you are premeditating resentment toward him. And there have been multiple experiences, I'm a little sad to say, in my life where I've had expectations about God and about his work in my life, only to find myself later resenting him for not meeting those expectations, even though those expectations were never agreed upon by him in the first place. Him not agreeing to them did not keep me from holding bitterness and resentment toward him because expectations are premeditated resentments. So when I expected, I was in college and was going to be a junior and I got my first part-time permanent job as a children and student minister at a church in South Carolina. And when I expected God to give me a easy, healthy first church assignment as that college student and he gave me the opposite I had some resentment about that. When I expected God to provide a a trustworthy leader in one of the churches that Holly and I were serving in, and we did not want to leave that church. We loved that church, and so we needed a new pastor. I wanted God to give us a, a really amazing leader, and he did not do that. I had resentment when I had to make the move instead, right? And when I had foster kids, two girls, Jojo and Lulu, for 15 months, and they had to leave and go to another family, even though our home was clearly the better option. I had resentment. Have you been there? Have you held expectations against God, expectations that he never agreed to, expectations that he never promised to fulfill. And then when those expectations weren't met, 
Did you resent God? Did you expect to be healthier than you are right now? Did you expect to be making more money than you are right now? Have you expected that your kids would turn out differently than they have so far? Have you ever had unmet expectations toward God that he never promised and he never agreed to in his word? If so, then you know this is true. Expectations are premeditated resentments. And this is one of the primary messages from the book of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet who was all about God. All about God. All about serving God. All about doing whatever God wanted him to do to the extent that God met his expectations. If Jonah's expectations were met by God, Jonah was all for God. But more the moment expectations weren't met, Jonah entered into resentment and bitterness and he had nothing to do with God, as we're going to see. Let's start the story. It begins Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Jonah's a prophet. Lord gives messages to prophets to speak. And this is the message that came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. God said, Gut up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. So that's the message. And here's Jonah's response. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now you've got to read the rest of the story in Jonah, all four chapters, to get to the place where you can learn exactly why Jonah chose to run away from the Lord instead of obey the Lord. But it all boils down to the fact that Jonah had expectations about God and they weren't realized and that led to resentment toward God and disobedience to God. Now to be fair, Jonah got these expectations rather logically. Makes total sense that Jonah would respond this way because he built a series of expectations about God in a way that makes complete sense. It's absolutely logical because this message that God gave to Jonah was not the first message that God ever gave to Jonah as a prophet. If you go back to 2 Kings chapter 14, you will see a story uh, where the people of Judah and the people of Israel are living in complete sin. These are God's people. God has called them and separated them out, made them to a different nation, but they are in complete rebellion against him in every way, shape, form, and fashion. There's nothing about them that make you think these are God's people. That's how bad the sin was. And they were even split into two different nations, Israel and Judah. But even though they were living in this abject rebellion and this really terrible sin, God had a had a message for them, a message of hope, a message of compassion, a message of kindness, a message of mercy. And his chosen vehicle for this message was none other than the prophet of Jonah. There was a swath of land inside of Israel, right up against the Dead Sea that the, the Israelites had lost to another people group. And, 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 and it was a pain point for them. And even though they're in sin and even though they're in rebellion, even though they do not want anything to do with God, God did not um, leave them alone. God said, I'm going to give you that land back. Even though you don't deserve it, even though you deserve something much worse, I'm going to give you that land back. And Jonah, I want you to tell them about it. So here's the scenario, right? Jonah is a Jew. Jonah is in favor with, the, with Judah. He is in favor with Israel. He's one of this. This is his people. This is his people. 
And so God wants Jonah, one of, one of their own, to go and preach this message to them. And it's an awesome message. Even though you guys are in sin, even though you're rebellion, the Lord has not forgotten you and he's gonna give you this land back. And so that was Jonah's good word. It was a word of mercy. It was a word of compassion. It was a word of God's love and kindness to them. And Jonah went about preaching this message and it came true. They did get the land back. So God's promise was fulfilled. So you can feel the expectations that this would generate in Jonah, right? So Jonah's now come to the conclusion that this prophet gig is awesome. This being a prophet gig is exactly what I'd signed up for. So now I know Jonah's thinking to himself, this is exactly how this is gonna work. God is going to tell me something amazing something kind, something merciful, something compassionate, something about how awesome he is and how kind he is. And he's gonna give me that message and he's gonna give me that message for God's people, for Judah, for Israel. And I'm gonna get to go into these people's lives and tell them about this amazing kind thing that God's gonna do and it's actually gonna come true. And everybody's gonna give me high fives and pat me on the back and send me gift cards. It's gonna be awesome. That is Jonah's expectations for what it's going to mean to be a prophet so you can understand that when this happened the Lord came to Jonah with a message and it was get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked it is and the people are notice the contrast <coughs> excuse me the word's not for Israel, and the word's not from Judah. It's for a, an evil people group known as the Ninevites, right? And the word is not compassion. The word is not love. The word is not mercy. The word is not, not grace. It is a word of judgment. And so Jonah's expectations were not met for what it meant to be a prophet, which leads to resentment. Eugene Peterson's one of my favorite authors, and he says this about resentment and expectations. He says, Jesus does not always meet our expectations, as it turns out, does not always give us what we ask for and what we think we need. When we doesn't feel, when he doesn't, we feel let down, we feel deflated, we feel disappointed, or we surf to another channel on the TV, or we try out another church that will hopefully give us what we expect. And this is exactly what Jonah did in his resentment toward God, in, his, in, in God not fulfilling all of his expectations, Jonah, disappointed, deflated, and down, ran. He ran. And as you read through the rest of chapter one, Jonah goes in the opposite direction, right? He goes to a city of Joppa where he catches a ship that's gonna head to Tarshish. You could not get any farther away from Nineveh at that point. And the fact that all of those things came together really well for Jonah would give him this, like this confidence that God could have cared less about him and that he would leave him alone. But if you look at verse four, the exact opposite happens. The Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. There's always a but, right? You have expectations, and yet God has something different in mind. You have expectations, but the Lord does something different. Jonah expected to escape. Jonah expected that God would not care about his response. Jonah expected to get away with it, but the Lord had very different plans in 
mind. And things get really terrifying on this ship, okay? There are these, this is a seasoned veteran sailor crew, and they are now fearing for their lives because of the torment of this storm. And they are praying to the old gods, and they are praying to the new gods, and they're praying to any god that would listen to help them save their lives. And Jonah is sound asleep in the boat because he is completely indifferent and apathetic to everything at this point because He's resentful toward God because of his unmet expectations. But Jonah finally wakes up and they're like, what are you doing? Can you at least pray to your God? Who is your God? How did this even happen? And Jonah says, I know all things that have happened. And here's what you need to do. You need to throw me overboard. You need to throw me into the sea. That will kill me and it will absolve you of any association with my sin and the storm will go away. And that is exactly what the sailors do. They don't want to do it at first, but they eventually have to choose their life over Jonah. And so they pick him up and they throw him into the ocean. And some of those expectations are then met. The sea does calm. The sailors do survive. In fact, they worship and they come to know the one true God. But Jonah's expectations are not met. Jonah expected that when he was thrown into the sea, that he would die. But God had different plans. You can see this in verse 17. God failed to meet Jonah's expectations yet again. The Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and for three nights. Folks, because Jonah had given up on God, Jonah expected that God had given up on him. Throw me into the sea. I'd rather die than than deal with a God who doesn't meet my expectations. Throw me into the ocean. I would rather drown than be in a relationship with a God who doesn't meet my terms. And so his expectation was that God would give up on him because he had given up on God. But here's the thing you and I need to know about God. That's not the way he works. That is not the character of God. God is for us. So he comes after us. God loves us. So he comes toward us. It is God's nature to have more ways of catching up to us than we have of running away from him. It is God's nature to come after us because he is for us. Our strategies for ignoring him pale in comparison to his desire for us to know him. You may want to push him away because he doesn't meet your expectations, but God is going to pull you in and adjust your expectations which is why Jonah ended up in the belly of a fish. It doesn't sound like an awesome place to be, but it's way better than dead when you can have a relationship with God. And so Jonah spends three days inside this fish, and then this fish spit him out onto a shore. And in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1, we pick up the story. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, and he said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given to you. Lesson Learned, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. And if you look what happens in verses 4 through 5, when Jonah, 
does what God asked him to do. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's the message. 40 days from now, 120,000 people will die. The city will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believed God's message. How do you know they believed it? And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now, look at God's response to their belief. Verse 10, when God saw that they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind. How do you think Jonah's going to feel about that? He changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he threatened. Now, in light of all the past events between Jonah and Judah, in light of all the past events between Jonah and Israel and that preaching, in light of all the things that have happened between Jonah and God, it is only fair and it is only right to ask this question. Did what happened here in Nineveh, or should I say what didn't happen here in Nineveh, does that line up with Jonah's expectations? Jonah willingly walked through Nineveh and said, 40 days and it's going to be destroyed. 40 days and you'll be destroyed. But they believed the message and they repented and God changed his mind. How would this experience line up with Jonah's expectations? Well, you can see the response to Jonah in chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord? When I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. So you can see from the text that Jonah had expectations, but he also knew something about the character of God and how that contradicted with his expectations. You see, Jonah wanted the Ninevites to be destroyed. He wanted them to be beaten. He, Jonah expected condemnation for them. But Jonah also knew that God was merciful. Jonah also knew that God was compassionate. Jonah also knew that God was slow to anger. God, Jonah also knew that God was filled with unfailing love. And he knew that while God would not like be indifferent to sin, he also knew that God was not like really easily angered and loved to destroy people. So Jonah had these expectations that didn't align with God's character. And Jonah knew that he had this conflict. Jonah knew that he had these expectations and he knew this to be a trial of God. And Jonah, y'all listen to this, Jonah would have rather died than not seen his expectations for Nineveh met. He would rather be right then lost people know that God loves them. How's that for a prophet? Jonah would rather have been right 
then the Ninevites know that God is merciful and compassionate and slow to anger and quick to love. I pray that God would protect you and I from wanting to be right more than we want God to be known. It's so tempting, isn't it? The satisfaction that we feel when we're right. I told you so are some of my favorite words. I told you so, I was right. That feels so good for about two seconds. What should feel really good is God. Oh, they know God loves them now. They know that God is for them now. Oh, I'd rather look like an idiot if it meant more people could know that God loves them. That was not the heart of Jonah. No, Jonah was still bitter. Jonah was still resentful. Jonah was still living and holding on to his unmet expectations. But fortunately for Jonah, the same mercy and the same compassion and the same love that God showed the Ninevites, God showed Jonah. Jonah said, kill me now. But God didn't do that. Instead, God invited Jonah into a conversation about God's character and about his love for the lost. And if you read Jonah chapter four, the story ends in this way that leaves us wondering if Jonah ever came around. It's interesting to me that there's no other word from Jonah in our Bible. And the reason it's hard for Jonah to come around is because premeditated resentments are remarkably powerful. Expectations that lead to resentment come very easily into our hearts. They pile up really quickly and they are very difficult to let go of because we tie our identity to being right, not to who God has revealed himself to be. And because that's the case, congregation, Jonah's story provides us an opportunity for you and I to examine our expectations for God and to do that in contrast with what God has promised to do for us in Scripture. Because we carry so many presumptions. We carry so many assumptions. We carry so many unnamed or unspoken expectations about God, about what his Bible should have said and how his theology could be better and what he should do to prove his existence in our culture and who he should put in the White House and who he should be for and who he should be against and who he should want you to, what he should want you to major in and who he should let, where he should let you live and who you should marry. We have so many expectations that we say, here, God, this is what I expect. This is what I expect about you, about what you should do, about what my life should like. We just throw them on him and we hold on to them with our identity as our identity. Brothers and sisters, I want to invite you to check your expectations at the door. Let them go because expectations about God are premeditated resentments toward God. If you bring expectations to God that do not align with his promises revealed to you in scripture, this is only going to lead you to resent him and distance yourself from him.
so many of the deconstructed faith stories that I hear and read about can be traced back to the very simple notion that God did not meet that person's expectations. So rather than deconstruct your faith, I invite you to destroy your hubris. Rather than deconstruct your faith because God did not meet your expectations, why don't you kill your pride and humble yourself and let God build a real faith, not built on what you expect him to do, but what he has said he wants to do in your scripture. But there's more than an opportunity to repent in this story. I love this story because in it we learn something that's perhaps unexpected about the nature of God. And it is this, that God is for us. And because he's for us, he comes toward us. So whether you're a Jonah who knows God, but is running from him, or whether you're a Ninevite who has no idea who God is, and just maybe even just this morning, you're getting this first little glimpse of who he is. What this story reveals to you is that God is coming after you. He loves you. He is for you. He is coming towards you. He wants you to have true and accurate expectations about him. And he's revealed himself to you in the person of Jesus who's lived this life that you have not and cannot live. And he's paid the price for sin that you cannot pay. If there's anything we learn about from Jonah, if there's anything we learn about God in the life of Jesus, it's this, God is for us. He loves us. He's come after us. He's come toward us. And so I'm not just repenting of expectations, which is really important. I say just. I'm not only repenting of, of false expectations that lead to resentment and bitterness toward God and distance myself from him. I'm also rejoicing because even when I have these unmet expectations that lead to resentment, God is chasing after me, holding on to me. Even though I look at my life sometimes and I go, way to go, God. What is this about? It was supposed to go this way. And God says, Rob, I, I get why you feel that way, but those are unmet expectations and you resent me because you expected something that wasn't true to my word and I'm coming after you to correct you. I'm not gonna let you live in that resentment. I'm not gonna let you live in that bitterness. I'm bringing you to myself. So like one time I repent because God has shown me how amazing he is and so I can rejoice in him at the same time. Do you see what I'm coming from? But this also has meaning for us as a church. Excuse me while I fix my really bad microphone. I want to speak directly to those of you who call Beach Haven home, okay? Just for a minute, just so our expectations are clear, okay? Did you notice in this text that God is both for a prophet and a disobedient prophet and a depraved people group? that God is consistent in his compassion and his mercy and in his love for somebody who grew up with God in God's people, trying to, trying to be obedient to God and a people group who were depraved, knew nothing of God, wanted nothing to God, even thought they had lots of their own gods. Did you notice that God is consistent, compassion, merciful, gracious to both the disobedient prophet 
and the depraved people group. Did you notice that? The thing that Jonah just could not get over in this story is that God had compassion on those people. Part of one of his expectations was that he was supposed to preach truth and good news to his people, his people, Judah, Israel. That's who the good news was for. And what I want you to understand from this text, congregation, is that there are no those people in God's eyes. He is compassionate and merciful and gracious to everyone because everyone is made in the image of God. There are no those people in his eyes. There are only his, there are only his people made in his image, right? And God is for them. And so church, if God treats them the same way and God is for them as God is going after them, then guess what we're supposed to do as his prophets, as his ministers, as his servants? We are for them. We have to go after them. We have to go toward them. Opening up our doors on Sunday morning at 9 and 11, 15 and hoping that a Ninevite walks in the door is not an evangelism strategy that's going to make a single disciple. God is for them. And so we as a church have to go toward them. Niceness when someone visits a service, does not make a single disciple. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. The Great Commission of Matthew 28 reflects the heart of God that we see in the story of Jonah. A more accurate interpretation of Matthew 28 is that is not like take a trip and go somewhere else and do it. It's, it literally means as you are going, as you are relating, as you go to the bank, as you go to, does anybody even go to the post office anymore? I was going to say post office, but nobody even does that anymore. As you go and do the things that you go about in your life and the people that are in your life, as you go about doing the things that God has put you on this earth to do, as you go about relating to the people that God has put in your life, as you do that, disciple them in what I have taught. We have to go. God is for them, so he's going toward them. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We're the mechanism. We're the, we're the people that God uses to do what he is doing. So what he wanted Jonah to do, he wanted him to go. He wanted him, he wanted him to, he wanted him to understand that I'm for them and I want you to be for them. So get in their life. Do we understand from this text a little bit more today that in order to fulfill God's great commission in this world, we have to possess God's great heart for this world? Do you understand the heart of God? 
for people who do not know him. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He is love. He is for them. He's come in the form of Jesus to come after them. Do we recognize as a church that in order to fulfill the great commission in this world, we have to have the great heart of God for this world? Because there's this I bring this up because I think there's this expectation in our culture that if we just propositionally mention a lot of true things about the Bible, like, you know, throwing sand at flypaper, some of it will stick and people will come to Jesus. And what I want to tell you is that that doesn't reflect the heart of God. And number two, it doesn't work in this culture anymore. We cannot presume that people have a foundation of absolute truth and they're okay with that and they just need to hear the absolute truth and they'll be like, makes sense. I think I'll be a Christian now. It's not the way this world works anymore. You have to enter into a relationship with someone who does not know Jesus. You have to be accused like Jesus was accused of having friends who hate Jesus. You have to be accused of being somebody who has meals with sinners, who's who's hospitable to people who reject God entirely. I hope that we get a terrible reputation in Athens with other religious institutions for being people who love people who don't love Jesus. Because we would actually be reflecting the heart of God and Jesus in that moment. And if in investing in those relationships, you bring the truth in love, as Paul says, speak the truth in love, right? That's what's required for us to reflect the heart of God and see the truth of the gospel bring fruit in somebody's life. It's not about my job as a profession to do that. It's not about your job knocking on doors of strangers and just propositionally throwing truth around. That is not the way this world works anymore. It requires us to do what Jonah wouldn't do, to enter into a relationship with someone and live the gospel out with them and speak the truth around them and for them and to them and invite them into other relationships you have where that's being done. And as a result, we will see what God promises, gospel fruit by the power of his spirit. Are you with me? The first service was way more with me. Okay. Lastly, I'm really glad that Jesus, even though he was prophesied about, and even though he was promised, he was not actually expected by most. But God defied those expectations. The expectation was that Jesus would be an earthly king. And I'm going to elaborate on this during the month of March as we head into Easter. But I'm so glad that instead of being an earthly king who came to defeat Rome, Jesus was a heavenly king who came to defeat sin. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus was a true and a better Jonah? Jonah had a word. This culture doesn't need a Jonah. This culture doesn't need people who yell at them and scream at them and hope they die and don't repent. Jonah had a word from God, but you know, Jesus, Jesus was the word of God. Jonah was selfish and he did whatever he wanted, but Jesus was selfless and he did only what God wanted. Jonah served when it was convenient and comfortable, but Jesus considered himself nothing. and He gave up everything. 
Jonah was resentful and unmerciful towards sinners, but Jesus was kind and compassionate towards sinners. Jonah was judged as a sinner in the belly of a fish to show God's justice, and he was brought back to the shore to show God's grace. And Jesus was judged like a sinner and put in a tomb for three days to show God's justice, and he was raised to life again to show God's grace. Aren't you glad that God didn't send another Jonah? with unmet expectations and bitter resentment toward God, but he instead sent Jesus, who fully obeyed the Father and liberated you and I from the power of sin. I am glad. I am glad. Let's pray together.